Today's episode of Shootcast is brought to you by Modus Operandi Brewing. Based in Monavale on Sydney's northern beaches, purveyors of fine craft beer. Be sure to check them out online and get your order in. Today on the podcast, I'll be joined by Mark Goodmanson, head coach of the West Harbour Pirates. I know he'll have some great insights into his time at the club, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how the Pirates are shaping up for season 2020. Thanks for tuning in. This is Shootcast. Welcome to episode six of Shootcast. On the line, I've got Mark Goodmanson, head coach of the West Harbour Pirates. Good o, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thanks, mate. It's really good to be on. Mate, it's a pleasure having you. Uh, obviously, 2020 has been a very indifferent year for everyone. How are things uh, out out west and out at Concord? How, how's the how are the boys' uh, morale? And obviously, must be a bit of comfort now that the season's hopefully starting to take shape. Yeah, mate, definitely. It was uh, it was a pretty tough going for for a little while there, where there was a bit of uncertainty on whether the comp would even go ahead, I suppose, um, and then kind of how we could continue to keep the guys going and uh, and drive them to hopefully get to an eventual end of, of playing. So that was a real struggle for us, but in in parts. But uh, but yeah, as you said, now that we're back on the field, and we've only been back on the field since for uh, a couple of days, so a couple of sessions, so. The um, the morale around and just the excitement of the guys being around each other is uh, is really really good. Yeah, excellent. Are you training across the club wide? Are Colts training together or separate nights? I mean, how how are numbers looking for for the upcoming season? Obviously, there's going to be some directive, and there's still a lot of uncertainty about how many grades are going to get on. But I guess you guys are trying to treat it as as full noise as possible. Yeah, well, so so early doors just to just to I suppose test out the the protocols and all that kind of stuff in place. We've just had our First, second grade, and first grade Colts training. Yep. Um, and that's a, a little bit of a wider squad of that first grade and second grade kind of team. Um, and we'll probably, once the numbers get relaxed a little bit more, we'll start to bring in in, in a lot more players. Mm. But, but at the moment, it's just first and second grade and first grade Colts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, coming off your first year as head coach in 2019, um, obviously seeing uh, how the team sort of progressed over some pretty big years for 2017-18 with, with a lot of players, but it certainly seemed like last season you were starting to, to rebuild somewhat and obviously retention's been a critical thing heading into 2020. Yeah, I think I think uh, rebuild was definitely the way. We, we had no choice. We had uh, 14 of our 15 first graders from the year before um, move on to either professional contracts, some to other clubs. Um, some just kind of re- went out and retired. Um, so, yeah, we really had no alternative other than to, to start to rebuild and, you know, kind of think outside the square a little bit on how we could get players involved. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, building from within is, is a key for us. It's, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of focused on that, you know, retain players. We want to go after players that have left, probably not for the reasons of, you know, they weren't happy, probably for other reasons. And, and then go out and recruit on the market. So, yeah, there have been three big focuses for us. Is, is the retention of, of Colts, I mean, Colts uh, probably have their own um, difficulties at your club at the moment, but just, just trying to keep as many guys in the in the system and in the pipeline from, from that younger age through, is, is that obviously a central focus for the club? Yeah, 100%. It's, um, it, it's been one of those things all the way through from our, from our juniors, you know, we – we reg- regularly have strong junior uh, junior outfits in that 15, 16, 17s, and we've probably, to be honest, let it go over the last five to six years, unfortunately. 
um, mm-hmm. and we're trying to get back to that kind of style and and give guys a, a stepping stone so they you know progress naturally from a from a junior based rugby into the Colts program and and hopefully onto the senior program to so to get those guys you know working side by side with the senior squad is a key thing for us to to keep them going along. Yeah, I mean, obviously, your first year at the helm with, with a new team and you only um, only posted four wins by the end of the season, but a lot of those games were very, very close and, uh, you know, uh, there seemed to be, like, some, some good players coming through. Is, is there some some players that were from that last last year coming back in for 2020? How was the squad looking heading into this season and how is it looking now given all that's, uh, all that's occurred? Yeah, well, to be honest, I mean, we've only lost... Uh, five players from from last year, mm-hmm. so um, Deion Swanepoel's gone on and, and got a contract with uh, with the Lions in Super Rugby. Yep. Uh, Tyler Fisher's moved on to the Major League Rugby. Uh, Reese Brody's moved over to Ireland to play, um, and then Noah Cooper and Rakawa uh, Neems have uh, gone back to New Zealand to, uh, to continue some studies. So, outside of that, we've got everybody back on board, and and we've uh, you know we've been pretty lucky to to get a few guys come back that obviously through what's going on with Corona and that, that um, their contracts overseas have, you know, ended or unable to um, continue with them. And then we've also gone out and, and got a couple of players that we we kind of saw or felt were real important positions in our club that we needed to, you know, get stronger at to be able to turn those, you know, as people say, competitive games into actually wins. Mm, mm, absolutely. There's a culture. The club's always always been a very strong brotherhood mentality at, at West Harbour, and um, strong family club, and obviously a massive Polynesian influence um, in the place. Has things changed too much from sort of those those core values that they uphold? Certainly, been a part of family, and, and obviously that strong strong identity that always seems to shine through whenever whenever you're heading out there as a visiting team. You sort of you sort of get that that spirit from the club. Yeah, definitely. I mean, family is always a, a, a very, very strong part of uh, of the Polynesian and also, you know, a lot of other players that are at our club. We, we try and build around that. Um, you know, my or our goal as, as, a, as a club and, and as coaches is to try and get players to, to be comfortable to turn up to um, to games and put their best foot forward. It was, um, you know, a couple of years ago, it actually struck me on a one of the players I spoke to him, I said, you know, what, what do you think about when you turn up to, to the game and you're on the field? And, you know, and, he, and his response to me was, he's, I hope my missus is okay. You know, like, yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah. That actually blew me away that, that he yeah. had more focus on on where his girlfriend was and on the field and, and was she having a good time than him actually being able to, to, you know, fulfill his role and do his job for his mates and, and play the best rugby he can. So having a, a close-knit group, um, and then obviously on the back of that, trying to get their families, you know, as part of that it, it is a massive part of, of what West Harbour has been and, and, and will be for a long, long time to come. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you have developed some some terrific players and had some great players that have come in, you know, on a bit of a whim, but you, you, you've lost players to, to other clubs. Do, what do you put that down to? Do you think, I mean, obviously, even though West have had good seasons, is there potentially a perception that it's it's more difficult for a player at, at West or maybe even a Western Sydney club to to progress their career in a professional sense from, from your club? Do you think that is it or is it more potentially a mercenary attitude looking for uh, match payments and things like that? Is there a bit of, bit of A, bit of, bit, of, bit of column A, a bit of column B? Yeah, there's, there's prob- probably a little bit of both, to be honest. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes some guys get – you know, sold a, a little bit of a dream, I suppose, of what they can offer 
another club and where that club's going. Um, you know, obviously over the last couple of years, results hasn't hasn't helped that. You know, if uh, if we're a, if we're a finals team, you know, we're we're starting to put together a program that you know the players' feedback and the coaches' feedback is is that it is a top quality program. Now we've got to obviously back that up with some wins, and 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 those two things come hand in hand with people wanting to stay and and, and not wanting to go anywhere. You know, that's it's probably one of those things that I. I get a little bit frustrated about people saying, you know, why do they, why do people leave the Western suburbs kind of clubs? Well, you know, you create an environment and a program that these guys can get better and go on to the next step or vice versa. They, you know, they don't enjoy it. Then, you know, there's a decision for them to make, but, but if you can put things in place that, that give them an opportunity either just to enjoy their rugby, if shoot shields, the level they want to play at, or if the NRC, if that goes ahead or, you know, international rugby, which, you know, there's there's plenty of players that have come through West Harbour that have, you know, gone on to international rugby. So there's so it's I think it's all about the the pathway and, and, and the environment that you create that keeps people there, you know? Um, yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, 2020 was going to be somewhat of a bit of an indifferent year for West in any case because it was going to be your first year uh, not at Concord in a long time. Um, was the plan still to move to Dremoyne Oval for the next couple of seasons while the Concord redevelopment takes place? Yeah, that, that, that's def- that's definitely uh, definitely what will happen. Obviously, um, it's going to play a little bit of part with with what happens with Dremoyne Oval in the aspect of cricket and all that kind of yeah. stuff and how how long the season goes for. Um, but we're we're working with a couple of other fields to potentially, you know, have a few home games at, at different venues to try and see whether we can, you know, broaden that inner west kind of vibe of what we're, what we're trying to really achieve. But yeah, Dremoyne Oval's mm-hmm. it's outstanding field. It's funny. I'm actually I'm actually see, sitting right outside it right now, having a look at it. So, <laughs> so um, it's mate, the field is fantastic. I mean, it's obviously run by the. Sydney Cricket Trust, I think it is, and you know they play twenty twenties and all that kind of stuff there. So it is. We we thought the Concord was a great surface, where this is just immaculate. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's great to hear you're doing your uh, your research on the on the job, (laughs) so to speak, mate. You get out there now and just uh, work out which way you're going to which which corner you're going to run to first. Just got to work out the breeze off the wind off the uh, water, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. No, it's a p- picturesque ground. I'm sure the rest of the comp's looking to check out a new field. Uh, but it must be exciting with the um, Concord redevelopment, obviously, looking at what they're going to do there. And there's been, obviously, quite a bit of import from the Pirates as a, as a central user to that ground. So it must, must be something the, the wider club's very excited about. Yeah, really excited. It's, um, you know, the plan, plans look outstanding. I mean, I just drove past there this morning on my way to work, and the, all the seats are all been ripped out, and it's it, it'll mm. be a week and a half or so, and I think the stadium will be down, um, wow. and then um, and then obviously clear out the rubble and 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 onto the build. It's um, you know it's obviously centered you know around a center of excellence, so to speak, for the for the Balmain Tigers or West Tigers, yeah. um, and uh, and obviously we we on the on the, the you know coattails of that. Absolutely. And um, and we'll get a brand new facility as well. And you know they they're not touching the field itself, so the field will still be the uh, outstanding field it already is. Um, mm. You know it'll and it'll be just more of a boutique kind of ground, I suppose you could call it. Yeah, obviously, the Tigers have been sort of sharing uh, the Concord facilities for quite a time now as a training ground. You, obviously, the club's got good relations with uh, with West Tigers as an entity as well, and obviously one was one code and the other, but maybe there's some cross pollination that you can benefit from. 
Yeah, I mean, to be honest, we we don't really have a choice. We we we, we need we need to get on with them. It's it, it'd be silly for us not to uh, not to try and create a relationship with them. And I, you know, we've we've all the, some of the board members and some of the coaches have got people that are in that system. Um, and yeah, you you never know whether some of those guys are you know checking us out as we're training because usually it's a I mean, the first graders obviously train throughout the day, but their twenties or their reserve grade kind of train just before we kind of start. So, um, so seeing some of those guys and you know them seeing us, you know, there's obviously going to be a, a potential for that. Uh, but again, they've they've got their own way of doing things, and we've got our own way of doing things. But at the moment, yeah, we're we're getting on really well, and they, you know, it's it's probably the yeah. the massive advantage of having them there to get this development going. You know. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely great and sounds like a smart policy, that's for sure. Mate, winding back the clock, um, you've been at the Pirates for a very, very long time, just talking about players that leaving the club and does your frustration. I can see why. You've been there um, since day dot in terms of your playing career and haven't really left apart from yeah. one stint, stint in Subby. So you, you joined the Pirates back in, in 1995 and got straight stuck into Colts. Enjoyable yeah, I days. Fin- I, finished, I finished school in 95 and uh, for first year in 96 it was. Where'd you go to uh, school? A couple of the uh, Marsden High School, just at Ride yep. there, um, West Ride. Yep. Yep. Um, with uh, you know, one of my guys that was in my year, and we were joint sports person of the year was Daniel Parks. So, um, of course, you know, we we went to school together, and still a great friend of mine. So, um, but yeah, I went to Marsden High School. We finished in '95, and straight over the Colts uh, coach over there at the time by the name of Mark Docking, who went on to um, do, do the general manager as well for a long, long time. Um, Got us over through um, some rep rep school footy. Yeah. Uh, played a couple of years of Colts there and moved up into grade in '98, um, mm-hmm. and then played four years there. And then I, I got a bit of an injury. I dislocated my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, not the best at going getting surgery and things like that. And it just I kept trying to make comebacks and it just kept popping out. Um, and while I was kind of in recovery mode, I, I helped out uh, just coaching the fifth grade team. Um, sure. With, with a guy, Vince G, who is actually my first grade manager now. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, just kind of kind of enjoyed, really enjoyed the the coaching side of things. I, I like the practical, you know, any sports with toughness and all that kind of stuff. I really like to to learn that side of thing and and just kind of just kept progressing through fifth grade, fourth grade, third grade. You won a couple um, of comps, I, yeah, I know. My, yeah, 2005, I was involved with uh, with the third grade team. Just I was fourth grade head coach and, and helped out with the third grade team. Then I moved up to the third grade team in 2006 and we won the comp. Yep. Um, and then the following year, yeah, got an opportunity to go over and uh, and coach Subby's rugby at, at uh, Briars, just around the corner anyway, so still in Concord. Um, yeah. And uh, and for me, that was that was awesome. Like we've, Prior to that, I kind of turned up. My team was there. My coaching, the program was there, ready to go. At this is at West Harbour before I went to Briars. But then once I stepped to Briars, we, you know, I had to had to plan, had to recruit, had to budget, had to yeah. do all that kind of stuff. So I, I got an opportunity on a lesser scale, obviously, but to to learn those those parts of uh, of, of rugby. So it was uh, that was that was a, an awesome environment. Yeah. Would have given you a, a new a new perspective and a great grounding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, mate, the the fun you have at a, at a subbies club is uh, is absolutely outstanding. It's uh, you know, win, lose or draw, you're uh, you're still uh, you're still enjoying yourself no matter what. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great time there. And then um, and then in 2012, I uh, 
guy by the name of Zach Agar was coaching second grade at West and just had a couple of chats with him and he needed an assistant coach. So um, came back and did second grade there. Uh, lost in the grand final to Sydney Uni, actually, that year. Mate, um, hold up. That year. You don't want to relive through that year. No, I was on the bench for second grade at the semi-final at Milner. Now, that was one of the more amazing games you would have seen in all your time. Would you agree mate, with it, me? It was, it was great, mate. Five minutes to go, maybe eight minutes to go, myself, Zach Agar and Rennie Simpson, we were talking to each other about great year. Let's keep the yeah. boys' heads up. Let's just, you know, what, we, what we've accomplished is amazing. Let's just make yeah. sure we enjoy tonight and then uh, <laughs> and then we – and then suddenly, yeah, we uh, we we scored right. we scored a try. Then there was that little dust up, and the referee stopped the game. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and then the just, final moment, we we had the ball. The bell had gone. I think yep. we were twenty two out. This is at TJ Milner, and yep. poor old Ollie Hoskins, who's now a prop at London Irish, got the ball and wasn't thinking. Bell had gone, and he threw it over the yep. sideline rather than kick it. We got penalised. You kicked the goal and went through to the grand final. Correct, correct, and only and only five <laughs> minutes before that, we had actually replaced our goal kicker. So the guy oh that came God. on hadn't kicked a goal all game, and oh uh, off two two steps, nutted it over. Yeah, that was like an absolute car crash. I remember sitting on the uh, sideline, and we just didn't know what to say or what we just witnessed. But anyway, one of those bizarre lower lower, lower grade games that you <laughs> yeah. had to be there had to be there to witness it. But yeah, exactly uh, was, right, exactly right. Yeah, it was. And you nearly got up in the grand final against Uni. Yeah, we had, we 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 got an early try scored against us, and uh, and they and they really regrouped, and we and we had them on toast, and um, we we were up by seven maybe or eight, and then um, we were going left three on three on one it was, and our mm. back rower or our lock at that time, Bradford Capper, um instead of just probably giving it early and giving it to our winger to score in the corner, he took a few steps yeah, and yeah. Um, I think it was Nathan Trist maybe from yeah. memory, the winger from Sydney Uni, just chanced his luck and ran 90 metres and scored a try and then that was that was it, you know. But, uh, but I mean, that, that grand final, we had we had uh, the Colts. That and that was at before. home. Hey? That was at home. Yeah, it was at, it was at home, yeah. But the Colts, Colts lost the week before. In uh in the game to go into the grand final, um, and so we grabbed Alan Alatoa and Dave Lola here, yeah, and put them put them onto our bench, um, and uh, and right, they were they were massive, like you know, <laughs> for Colts to step up and, and and really put their best foot forward was was great, but yeah, I mean we yeah we honestly we did have them on toast and. And unfortunately, it makes, if it makes your back row feel any better, I threw an intercept in the third grade game just prior and lost the grand final. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. He, I'm sure if he listens to this, he uh, he'll be straight on the phone to me saying, "Why did you have to name my name?" <laughs> but but after that, you started edging up um, in and around the higher grades, obviously from second grade, and, and you had some some great experience working with some some of the sharpest rugby minds in the business. I mean. West has had some some great coaching talent. Obviously, Joe Barakat, Stephen James, Todd Todd Loudon. So that must have given you a real good uh, real good grounding into senior level coaching. Yeah, that that was good. After after the two thousand and twelve, I went back and did first grade Colts for for two yeah. years, um, which really got me to start to you know like like what Rob Taylor has done with his and, and start to get to know some of the young fellas that would would be coming through. 
Yeah. And that was yeah. that was a great experience. But yeah, 2015, it was. Um, they were they had Joe Barricat on as as head coach, and he rang me up and asked if I wanted to come up and, and be his assistant because obviously I'd been around and and got to know all all the players and all that kind of stuff. And he was still over in Japan at that stage too. Um, mm. So he didn't come back until maybe mid February. So, so yeah. the whole preseason kind of thing was 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 run from you know Joe and I on on phone hookups, um, video calls, you know, each night, yeah. Yeah. Um, implementing that stuff there. But yeah, Joe Barricat. I mean, Stephen James is is you know, there's there's a couple of guys that I can I can go to when I just want to have a chat about rugby. And, and Joe Barricat yeah. and yeah. Stephen James are definitely two of those guys. I mean, Stephen James would unfortunately at the moment he's. Not unfortunately, but he's the Bulldogs' skills coach in uh, in the NRL, and because of their restrictions, yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he can't get down to training. So uh, he's off limits. Yeah. So um, because otherwise, I mean, he did some work for us last year, and he just yeah, the boys love him. Yeah, yeah I've seen his videos uh, online with the Bulldogs. If anyone's yeah. listening, just check him out. He's he's done some. He's doing some great stuff over there with their skills and development. I know they got dusted up by the mighty Eagles on the weekend, but oh, they, he's. Clearly a very good uh, skills coach, so obviously a great asset for the for the Pirates when he's available. Yeah, it's actually funny. I'm a Manly fan too, so I gave him a little bit of a ribbing. How does that work? Yeah, it's well. My my father's a a Manly Seagulls fan, and my mother's a Bulldogs fan. So, and I've got yeah. myself and Le- my brother. League's funny like that. Like it sort of moves around. It's not so specific. It's a bit like AFL teams. You can yeah, be from so, anywhere. So I suppose she got she got one son, and my dad got the other son. And thank God I got Manly. Eh? Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, go. Cool. So after Colts, you, you started jumping back into grade, and um, yeah, moved, yeah, moved up to first grade. And um, as I said, Joe Barricat was the was the head coach that year. Um, mate, unbelievable to learn. And, and I think, to be honest, too, Joe kind of had to. If you speak to Joe about it, it was it was a tough transition for him. You know, he came back from obviously a full time environment where he had players, you know, every single minute of the day if he needed. Coming back to an environment where guys are still working, um, and he had to make a bit of an adjustment too. So, um, you know, that was that was that was a really really good time. Um, and then, you know, twelve rounds into the competition, he rang me up and he said, uh, "They're all yours, Gutto." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" He goes, oh, "I've just got a deal at Ulster. I'm off." Uh, yeah, well. So I ended up doing the head coach role for the last uh, six rounds. Six rounds of the competition, so, which was which was again, it was a. I mean, everything was set up for me. I just had to keep following, you know, orders. And again, Joe was always on the phone for me. And then the following year, they they employed uh, Neil Tunner as the as the first grade head coach. Um, so worked worked with Neil there. Um, also did a little bit of work uh, three quarters of the way through the season with with Hunter Tittleback and the sub, subbies um, as well. And then. Um, and then yeah, the following year they they brought on Todd Lowder for, for 2017 and 18. So um, yeah, I've 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 been lucky to learn off learn off a lot of good coaches, and um, it's mm. yeah, it's been a, it's been a long apprenticeship, but I, I think that's kind of the thing you need to to really be able to learn. And sometimes you know it's funny when I tell people this, but sometimes you learn off a lot of coaches what not to do, and how Absolutely. people don't take to this or take to that. Or, you know, so sometimes you learn a lot more off off people yeah. on, on how not to do things. So, but uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's been a been a great experience learning off off some of those guys who are at the top of their game and 
Mm-hmm. You know, some of them have their own little quirks about how they coach and things like that. And, you know, you just got to be able to roll with the punches, I suppose. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's an amazing apprenticeship. It's pretty much 17 years at the club to, to head coach. So it's, 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 it's awesome to see that. And it's obviously something you didn't completely rush into, but, but you obviously, um, have a love for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's, um, it's definitely something that I, that I really enjoy. I mean, for me, it's, it's about seeing the guys out on the field or the, or the guys at training just, just with smiles on their faces, even when they're hurting. You know, it's uh, that's that's the enjoyment that I get get out of it. You know, when they when they do something that you know maybe they didn't think they could do, or um, or they do something that they they tried at training and and it worked. You know, it's uh, the excitement and the and the smile on their face is uh, is why I, I love it. It's um, you know you gotta you gotta you gotta love it or you wouldn't be doing it as long. You know, I've got a of course a beautiful and very understanding wife. Thank God that. Um, that, that appreciates what I do and she and she knows the passion I have for it. So she's, you know, to be honest, she's probably had to make a lot of sacrifices. I've got three yeah, young kids yeah. and, you know, for her to be able to look after those guys when, you know, I'm at training a lot or I'm on meetings or I'm on phone calls or, you know, at most, yeah, some of the yeah. most important times has is, is been tough on her. But, you know, she she understands the passion that I have and, you know, thank her for that. It's, uh, it's amazing. Yeah, you certainly do have a passion for it. When this um, whole pandemic thing kicked off, I, I believe you were the first guy, basically, in the coaches speak to sort of reach out and check in with all the other clubs and see how they're doing. It, it's sort of in your nature to just connect with with everyone in in the, in the rugby community. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, for me, it's uh, I mean, I, I've got a, I've got another job, and you know, as my full time job, and this is kind of my not my part time job because I probably spend a lot of time on it yeah. um, doing it. But um, yeah. but for me, it's it was more about that that I knew some of those coaches that was their full time role, you know, yeah. or they had businesses and things like that that kind of revolved around things that were really affected. Yeah. So so for me, it wasn't, and I put in the email. I said, you know, it's not about me trying to steal ideas or anything for West Harbour. It was just for guys if they wanted to have a kind of a, a chat, um, you know, and uh, and kind of air a few things or maybe we can, you know, share a few little things and, you know, that we're working on in these tough times with, you know, only being able to train with twos or by yourself or, you know, in smaller groups. So it was more just a, yeah, um, an email out to them and, and nearly all of them got back to me, which, which was great. Um, and, you know, I still keep with a few of them uh, on and off. And, it, um, yeah, I mean, it, we're a small little group and, you know, a very – very very lucky small group I suppose to be able to be head coaches of a shoot shield club it's uh, it's a job that there are a lot of people out there that wish they probably were in that role so yeah. so for me I don't take it for granted and you know if you don't learn off each other it's uh you know you just you're crazy if you don't start talking to other coaches and seeing what they're doing and um, you know there's there's coaches out there that are more than willing to you know chat with you about things and you know not worried about giving out secrets and things like that but you know and there's obviously some that like to keep it close to their chest, but you know, I just, yeah. I just wanted to just see that everyone was doing all right. And you know, if they and I said if there was anything I could do to help, please don't hesitate to contact me, even if it was just a, a phone call late at night to, you know, run something by me. I know a few people have been struggling with fields and councils and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was just a on a whim email out, and you know, yeah, it was good to good to hear back from a few of the guys, and I. You know, strengthen our relationships, I suppose, moving forward. 
Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. You open up those lines of communication. I'm sure the other coaches are really appreciative of doing that in terms of the relationships across the board. Just your obviously training out and playing out at Concord for such a long time. It's uh, the amphitheatre of some of the great moments in Australian rugby in, in, in Western Sydney. And, you know, you've been such a part of the fabric of the, you know, Western Suburbs rugby community for such a long time. And there's been lots of noise about, you know, the plight of Western Sydney. How do you see rugby now and, and, and its challenges out West? And, you know, where do we go from here? There's still obviously a, a passion for rugby out there and people like yourselves. Is that widely shared or is it diminished, you know, quite a bit? Oh no, I definitely think it's 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 shared. I mean, obviously, there's you read and you see and you hear all these frustrations and things like that. But you know, people are still turning up to games. You know, we're still we're still mm. talking about trying to make it work. And you know, maybe maybe there might need to be a little bit more help with with certain things. And you know, obviously, Penrith potentially coming back into the comp um, for for this season here is exciting for them. And and I hope they make a a big go of it. Um, but for me, I mean, rugby in the in the inner west and the west is uh, it, how it's going to play out is all up to the clubs, I suppose. It's you know we've yeah. always we've kind of had a well, well, I won't say everyone, but some people have had mentalities of you know poor me, poor me, you know stop stealing our players or stop you know. For me, that kind of talk is you know you put a program together as I've mentioned before, you put a program together that works and people want to be involved in, people aren't going to leave, you know. Like uh, I'm getting players come over from, from Ramwick Way this year. So, you know, the, the oh, it's too far kind of travel thing kind of goes out the window with those kind of scenarios. But for me, it's you just got to, you know, it's the old saying, you look after your own backyard, but you put a program in place that people want to be involved in and, and have fun too about it, yeah. then, you know, anything anything's possible. Yeah, it's great to hear that. And obviously, very much standing uh, on your own two feet. And I guess that's what the what the competition wants to hear. There's that strong view and strong leadership out there that you, that you're obviously um, exuding. So, as as a as a rugby fan in general, though, looking at it, how is your appetite now for, for Super Rugby? You still watch um, quite religiously the rugby on TV and, and and get into get into professional rugby in Australia. Oh, mate! Oh, yeah, I'll watch it. Every day of the week, if I could, you know. And for me, I suppose it's 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 more of watching the guys that have come through, especially through our system, or even through the shoot field system. To be honest, um, seeing some guys, you know, run out on the field. Like even pre-Christmas time, we had Alan Alatar and Scott Co training with us with our players. You know, seeing those guys run out, and you know, Alan being the the captain of of the Brumbies, and you know, potentially. You know, a possibility of being a Wallaby captain at some stage is is why I keep watching the game. You know, you know Alan used to be with a ball boy when I was playing, so to see, to see him now captain of the Brumbies and, and and leading that and playing for the Wallabies, and you know, at the moment Jack Tebrasini's back in town. You know, he can't get back man with his contract. He's down having a run around with us, and you know, you see all these guys playing. You know, and he's come through the Super Rugby um, mm-hmm. fold as well, but. Yeah, for me, it's 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 more about focusing on certain people, I suppose, not not having a, a full commitment. Although I love the, when the Waratahs win, and you know, I'll always follow the, the Waratahs as, as a as a team. I'm not really focused on on that. I'm you know, I'm more focused on the individuals, I suppose. It's- yeah, you have um, had such a pipeline of such great talent coming through the club, and 
The club's always played uh, an expansive uh, style of footy. Is is that the way you think things will start to evolve with, with yourself, or do you start to maybe um, develop a, a different sort of style of play moving forward? No, I think I think we'll I think we'll still play that kind of that kind of structure. But again, I mean that kind of thing changes from year to year. I mean, there's yeah, you, know, you speak to some of these coaches that are new into into coaching, and they're all like, "I've got my game plan ready. I've got my structures ready." You know, and I say to them, I say, well, who's in your team? Oh, I haven't, yeah. I don't know yet. I'm like, well, how do you know how you're going to play if you don't know who you got? Exactly. Like, so, I mean, for me, it's horses for courses. You know, if I if I pick a yeah, team that's yeah. a, a bigger team, then I might, you know, change it a little bit. For, but for me, with what we've got this year, um, yeah, we'll be playing some some running rugby, and it's you know, it's all about skill execution and and. I suppose one big focus for me is is our defence. You know, it always used to be the thing where you came to West Harbour. You never never liked going to Concord Oval because you knew you were going to get belted. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's a big focus on not just, you know, that one big hit. It's about just constant, keep coming, keep coming, mm-hmm. keep coming, you know. So um, so that's the kind of one of the big focuses we're going we're gonna to be having this year. But, yeah, running rugby, mate, that's what West Harbour's about especially with the group we've got this year. Yeah, they've certainly been the entertainers for a long time, but I guess you're just trying to look for that level of consistency year on, year out. I suspect, I suspect that's that's a challenge at the moment. Yeah, 100%. And, and I mean, that comes down to the skill execution of it. You know, you, your mind might think you can do it, but if your body can't do it, well, you know, um, you know, things we've been talking about at training is if you want to do something, practice it. <laughs> Don't just turn up and think you can flick a miracle ball out out the back and someone score, you know, I want to I want to see you doing it at training, you know. Yeah, so then, yeah. uh, you know, I don't want to be having a conversation with someone about why the hell did you do that. I'd rather be saying, you know what, I've seen you practising in it, you were close, keep pushing at it, you know, like it's, you know, we, we talk about, you know, the changing those 50-50s into 60-40s kind of, you know, trying to get the Absolutely. percentage on our side of things, you know, being a little bit smarter with, with what we do and how we do it. One of those players that you you mentioned that Tion Swanepoel was quite something, wasn't it? It's great to see him got the Super Rugby gig, but uh, geez, have you ever seen him kick a ball? He could kick it a mile, couldn't he? Yeah, mate. He, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing that he had to, and it, and it's funny how a lot of people do that. You got to leave your own country to get picked for for a team in your own country. Yeah, you know. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, he was he was slotting goals in in school and things like that from sixty five out. Um, yeah. And um, and you know I suppose a lot of people thought that we had had a big loss when we lost someone like Taylor Adams, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But when Tian turned up, he was he was exactly what we had seen and what we had been told about. So yeah, he was he was an awesome awesome player to have around. Your views of the shoot shield the past few seasons obviously has had some great years um with with some of the some of the scenes we've seen in grand final day and some of the crowds and where it's gone it's, it's ex- exciting time for you and and the club to be involved in the competition at the moment oh 100% 100% i mean you you just see the see the chat about it the excitement about it especially now that it's you know it's it's kind of close like it's what is it seven weeks off or something like that until a till a season's going to going to kick off again and you know unfortunately this year we might not see but there is talk about crowds um, coming in, so um, you know, yeah, mate, it's, it's the shoot shield's exciting, mate. Everyone loves the shoot shield. Um, you know, people people talk about the Super Rugby and all that kind of stuff. And for me, if the if the Super Rugby part doesn't come off, well, just pump all the Super Rugby players back to shoot shield and 
you know, it, it makes it even more exciting. Like, you know, we're we're probably only going to get our one Waratah back in Carlo Tizana, but you know what? That's that's what it's all about. You know, our guys going up against their guys. You know, so um, yeah, it'd be nice to see. Oh, hundred percent, mate. It'd be and yeah, it'd be outstanding to be honest. Yeah, it would be. It'd be interesting to see how that all plays out. But obviously, there's still a few weeks ahead. But uh, I think we're hoping that these restrictions start to ease, and with that, we can get on to, to life and life as normal and. Uh, hopefully shoot your rugby as, as we know. But, uh, Mark, yeah, exactly. I really appreciate the time you've uh, taken to, to have a chat. You've, you've got an amazing uh, history in the game, particularly out in the western suburbs, and I know people in the rugby community would love to hear and listen to you today. And, um, mate, we, uh, we, we're obviously delighted that people like you are flying the flag for rugby out in the western suburbs. Yeah, mate, no problems. As I say to anyone, mate, anyone comes to any of our games, if you see me after a game, come and buy me a beer, mate. I'll have a chat. After the game. After the game, of course. <laughs> oh, we're, not at, we're not at subbies anymore. No, you're not, you're not at subbies. Mate, before you go, uh, on that note, the Fast Five. First question, which leads off our last conversation. Best pub in the Inner West? Oh, well, Club Burwood or the Pine Inn, mate. The Pine Inn, you can now have had some great nights at the Pine Inn, but, you know, Club Burwood does a, a mean schooner as well. I love the lip service of the sponsor. Got to do that. <laughs> yeah. What are you, What are you watching on Netflix? I uh, just finished watching the Ozarks. Is uh, yeah, so I just finished watching that series. Uh, really good, and then obviously, like everyone else, watch the uh, the Last Dance. Ideal location for a young pirate to take a girl on a date in the inner west. Oh Jesus! Uh, wow! Oh God! The Pine Inn. Great spot. I would have, I would have thought it'd be the, beaut- the beautiful Canada Bay somewhere down there. Well, That's it is a great. As I said, I'm at Dremoynover right now, and the uh, and the water is uh, and the boats and the mansions and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they're outstanding. But you know, the ladies of the, uh, the 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 blokes that I coach go out with, mate. I'm sure they'd much rather a, a nice schooner and a and a thirteen dollar meal at uh, at the Pine. We're going to the Pine this year. I want to I want to experience this. Favorite sports person all time? Uh, well, it's funny. I mean, I—it's actually Scotty Pippen who was in that Last Dance thing, and I and I had to go and do some research when I, you know, started reading all these bad uh, bad vibes about him. But uh, yeah, Scotty Pippen. I used to, I used to grow up. I got the singlet. I got the posters. All that kind of stuff. I, I did like the number love two it, man, man at the Chicago Bulls. I love it. I love it. Who are West beating in the grand final? Oh, very good question. Um. I mean, it's it's interesting. There's still been a lot of coach changes this year. I, yeah, I think I think Gordon are going to be up there. I think that uh, obviously DC will want to finish on a um, on a, on a big oh, note. So uh, yeah, mate, I'd like to I'd like to come up against uh, against Gordon. I like it. I really appreciate that, Mark. Thanks for spending time. Yeah, no problems at all, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you.